Hello and welcome to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is your now almost permanent host, Casey Maluli. I'm joined here by Tom Maluli. Hello. And this is episode 361. Highway 361 for Eric Clapton fans. Throwing it back to Eric Clapton. Okay, okay. This week we're going to talk about something that's kind of hard to talk about. And that is an idea that one of our, our friends in the business, Carl Richards, has been trying to drive home and that is that money is not in the math department but in the psychology department it's a really good way of putting it because sometimes we'll meet with with clients or talk to clients on the phone and they'll you know we'll start talking about how the investments are doing or how they're not doing and we'll start using numbers and i'll hear people say well, I'm I'm not really that good at math, mm-hmm. and I I want to I want to reach through the phone or reach across the conference table and just say this isn't about math. It's not. Yeah, in Carl's is this a post? Yes. So this was a post on his website, which we'll link to in the show notes. Behavior gap. Right. Behavior. Whether whether you're an advisor or an investor, go to this website. There is tons of wisdom yeah he's great he's, he's, he's fantastic so the the whole idea just to give you a little background on carl richards he i don't even know if he still has clients but he started out as an advisor just like us mm-hmm. <clears throat> and one of the things that he was really really good at is he started to discuss concepts with his clients and friends and he got to the point where he could draw a story on the back of a cocktail napkin. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, some of these cocktail napkins, napkins, you go into people's offices and they're framed on the wall. Brendan has one in his Brendan office. Brendan has one in his office. So uh, these things are classic because just like the old saying, a picture says a thousand words, these things are fantastic. Yeah. Also wrote for the New York Times for a long time. Well, he got discovered because his one of his cocktail napkins made it all the way to Ron Lieber, who writes the personal or wrote the personal finance column for the New York Times. Right. And that talk about just a fortunate break. I mean, that got him on the on the fast track yeah. to a lot of exposure. Yeah. Yeah, really great stuff. Uh, and for, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's funny, charismatic. You know, we've had some some interactions here and there on Twitter, and uh, nothing a good, nothing but good things to say about Carl. So the point that he's driving home is that I think he says in the in the article that we're taught that money is things like two plus two. You know, we know that it equals four. But when we rip open our credit card statement or our, we look at our investment accounts each month, we see dollar signs there, but they kind of stir something up inside of us. And then we're fighting with our spouse. We're, you know, feeling down on ourselves. We're worried. It, it, we're worried. We're concerned about the future. You know, we're not sure if we're doing the right things with our money. And it just it's just a mess usually so he also goes on to say that just because we're worried concerned stressed out whatever about our money doesn't mean that we can't just avoid talking about it that's a problem because a lot of people just don't want to talk about it 
it's easier to just stick your head in the sand and kind of not even think about it. You know, money can cause a lot of emotional feelings, but it can also cause some significant problems. And before we talk about the investment side, I just want to talk about the debt side for a moment and not talking about problems. We talk about, on the investment side, how people have to stay in to gain the compounding. And I'll get to more of that in a moment. But compounding works in the opposite direction. It works against you with debt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the past year and a half, we're recording this in June of 2021. For the past year and a half, people have been, for the most part, on lockdown. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people didn't have money coming in. A lot of people didn't pay their debts or they didn't pay their rent. They didn't pay their mortgage. They didn't pay their student loans. All of that is going to start again. And unfortunately, we're going to we're gonna get to a point in September, October, November, December of this year, these first couple of months, people who don't make payments or cannot make payments, we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to hide. And they're not going to want to talk about it. And it's like talking about your problems that you have. Uh, it's healthy sometimes to talk about your problems and just get things off your chest. Sure. So unfortunately, when it comes to debt, if that's a problem <clears throat> and you fall behind and all of a sudden now this interest is starting to compound, it can really get away from you fast. Yeah. I think one of the driving things of why people, why it's, it's easier just to ignore it sometimes is they feel ashamed. Yes. That they had to take out all this debt when, you know, they see other people in the world, like, and they think that no one else has these problems, but we see these problems all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that we do, you know, if, if we were in these situations is to just normalize it yeah. for them and be like, look, like, okay. These are the circumstances. It happens. Yeah. This is what's done. You know, what's done is done. Kind of let's turn the page and try and work out a plan for moving forward. Yeah. So important if you're in a situation where you've got some worries about that, about, hey, you know, I'm going to have to start paying rent again, or I'm going to have to start making my student loan payments, or, you know, other kind of issues like that, talk to someone. Doesn't necessarily mean talk to us, Mm -hmm. but we're here if you need us. Yeah. But get it off your chest because the worst thing you can do is try and hide. It's not going away. Right. Uh, I read a story over the weekend about more and more boomers are now approaching or, or retiring with student loan debt. And it's, some of it is because they wanted to go back to school and learn something new. Or they're still carrying their kids' student loan debt. And... <clears throat> these things that people are now paying decades of payments and they're not making a dent in the amount. These things can really snowball out of control. Yeah. So didn't really intend to talk about managing debt, yeah. but it's a balance sheet issue. Yeah. It needs to be addressed. Yeah. So that's the debt side of it. You said you wanted to talk about the debt side before the investment side. Yeah. So what are some common <laughs> feelings-driven issues that we see surrounding people's investments? Well, one of the things you learn pretty early on as a a stock market participant 
is uh, you'll hear people talk about fear and greed and how they can those two emotions can really drive markets and your own investments beyond any kind of rational thought. And I think one of the hardest questions to answer that an advisor gets is, hey, the market can't continue like this. That means either going up or going down. Like the market the market can't continue to go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all got to end, right? It's all built on a house of cards. Uh, this is all going to end. Uh, or on the flip side, this market can't continue to go down like this, right? Oh, yes, it can. I've seen it. So, yeah, it, it happens. It's a it's a real thing. Yeah. So our our job in those situ in that situation would be to create some perspective around the situation. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's kind of I never thought I'd be one of those people that just offers perspective, but I've hung around so long that I've seen so much of what goes on in markets and like you, I think we're both good students of history. And so another cringeworthy quote that I get from clients is, well, we've never been through this before. <laughs> oh, yes, we have. Yeah. So this has happened before. Right. And that kind of, again, just normalizes it. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, wait, we have been through this before. And, and look, we came out of that. All worked out. So... Yeah, it seems in the moment it seems like oh great we can't we can't stop you from losing money but here's some bright perspective for you it's yeah. like great yeah. thanks a lot man so the one of the things that I think is really evil about our business is that there are lots of people in our line of work I'm using that as a a big umbrella broad term broad term that. You know, there's people in our industry who will prey on people saying, I can't stand this stock market volatility. Get me out. And that is a trigger buy signal for people who sell products that say you can have all the upside of the market without any downside risk. Mm -hmm. That is a lie. That's a lie. And it doesn't matter if it's structured notes or structured bonds or structured CDs or private placements, or annuities, it never works out the way it's advertised. Yeah. Never. It's sad, but it's true. I mean, that's kind of the the rationale behind the, the whole in and out decision when markets are tanking. It's going to feel so good, and they just want, folks just want that weight off of their shoulders of watching this account go down and down and down. And they want to get all out to stop that. Yeah. And it's a short-term high almost. It's a short-term relief yeah. of, oh, this. I don't have to worry about this anymore. Brendan uh, phrased it really well. <clears throat> when you want to get, I, I just want to get out of the market. You know, like this, I can't, like you just said, I can't stand watching this thing go down every day. Brendan said, you know what? If you really insist on this, we'll do it. We'll take you out. And you'll, you'll feel good. Maybe for two weeks, you'll feel good. But after that, you're going to realize what a mistake you made. Mm-hmm. You will. And it's been proven year after year after year after year. Yeah. So it's a mistake. And you'll feel good for a very, very short period of time. 
and then you have to kind of go back and correct your mistake. All right. right? How do we how do we get back in? You know, we sold a few weeks ago or a few months ago. The market's higher now. Yeah. Like I feel kind of stupid going back in. I I've lost count of all the conversations we've had with people who tried to do exactly that. And now they're coming to an advisor. Right. So it's tough because in that situation, it's the feelings that they're having around the money. The fear is it's such a visceral reaction because it's it's people's life savings most of the time. So it's like their future capacity to retire or live the life they want is what's at stake. So on one hand, an advisor's role is to understand that and to you know, normalize that. And then, but on the other hand, it's keeping them from acting on it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, a, it's a difficult rope to walk on yeah. because it, it is such a serious thing and it, there, the stakes are seemingly very high. But on the other hand, we also have to kind of try and help folks not make big mistakes. Right. And I think that that is kind of what Carl was talking about in his post when he he's saying, look, you have to have you have to have a plan. You have to have you can't put greed, you can't put fear, you can't put panic into your spreadsheets. You can't project how that's going to happen when or how to what degree that's going to happen in the future. But what you can have is a plan. Look, what is this money for? You know, when we build plans, we're not we're we're building all of these market dips and market euphorias into these plans. I'm not saying that we're not we're never going to change the plan because that's that's not that's realistic. Wrong. That's yeah. not realistic. <clears throat> the plan is going to change, but what an advisor's role is is to stop clients from making the big mistake and to just keep nudging them along that path to to where they want to end up in the end. You touched on a really important part of our discussions that we have with clients we ask all the time tell us what this money is for Mm -hmm. that will help determine how we ought to invest it if you're going to tell us that i'm going to need a portion of this money in the next two or three years i already know no matter what the balance is we're going to have some of this money sitting in bonds yeah it's just the way it is we need to do that. So if we can segregate what a client needs over the next year, two, three, four years, and put that money aside in bonds, we can put the rest of the money to work in the market, and we don't have to worry what the market's doing for the next three, four, five years right. before we have to tap into it. Okay. Long-term track record over every rolling three years, every rolling four years, every rolling five years, pretty good. Pretty good. But that just goes to show how important it is to communicate that. Yeah. Because some of the hiccups we run into with folks are they say, oh, I just I just retired. I need that money next year. And we don't we're investing like for the next 20 or 30 years. So then, you know, there's just a disconnect there. Right. And that's why it's so, so important to not stick your head in the sand and to be especially if you're working with an advisor. You have to communicate these things because, like you said, it will definitely impact the strategy moving forward. So years ago, you'll remember, um, before we started using some of the software tools that we have at our disposal, we used to send surveys out to 
our clients or groups of clients. Mm -hmm. And we would say, hey, uh, you know, if the market goes down 10%, if you have a $300,000 account, that's $30,000. If you have an $800,000 account and the market goes down 10%, that's $80,000. Because what we found, we did it in dollar terms. What we found was that we would say, we think the market might go down 5 or 10%. You okay with that? And everybody says, oh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But when you show them, hey, at some point in the future, this account may be down $80,000 $80, or $100,000 or, you know, for some clients, you may be down $2 million, down $2 million. Still okay with that? Yeah, it hits different when it's in dollar terms and not oh. percentage terms. And they're pretty good at reminding us, too. Yeah. Like, Tom, you know, three or four months ago, this account was worth this. They always pick the extreme highest intraday value. Yeah. And I'm down 275 grand since then. Like, how am I going to get my money back? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it never was your money because you didn't sell at that point. Right. The values are just going to be all over the map. Yeah. But if this money is for the rest of your life and you're, I don't know, say you're a cop and you retire at 50, unless you're planning on taking that money out today, tomorrow, next week, next year, uh, we're going to invest it because you've got 35 more years we've got to cover. Yeah. Rarely is someone completely out of the market. Right. There will at least be some small portion of their account still invested in stocks. But here's the... Here's the point is that, you know, we are constantly talking to clients about their their feelings. We're trying to pull it out of them. Mm -hmm. What their feelings are when the markets are up yeah. and when the markets are down. When they're down, they volunteer how they're, how they're feeling. When the markets are up, a little harder to get. Yeah. One of the things that really has kind of surprised me over the years has not necessarily been greed itself. That does kind of feed feed on itself sure but also envy mm. and that's kind of a weird virus envy because we'll get calls that'll be like they'll start with uh like an upfront saying and it'll go something like this hey tom i want you to know like i'm really happy with how things have been going but yeah there's always a but always but i was talking with my buddy and you know we started investing around the same time and you know, we're just comparing notes, and he's got way more than I have. I mean, way more. Like, what are we doing wrong? We should have more money. Yeah. Yeah, especially nowadays with social media and everything. It's sure. It's hard not to compare yourself to your peers and your friends and, and people that you know. But I think that just drives the point home more where you have to define this stuff for yourself. Look, you're not investing you're not investing your retirement for retirement to retire your buddy's retirement or to retire your neighbor down the street's retirement. This money is for you. What is it for? Define that. We'll help you define it. We might have to pull it out of you, but that's our job. Yeah. And that once that is clear to you and to us, a lot of the other pieces start to fall into place. Right. I'll also add a PS. In the few instances where I can actually look at what this neighbor or this buddy of someone, if I can actually look at the numbers, 
we can actually see that the yardsticks have moved, the goalposts have moved, the numbers changed. No. And, yeah, and we find out that the actual annual returns, pretty close. Pretty close in almost every single circumstance. Yeah. I also think that a lot of the time it's they're using that as a way to question us about what we're doing and see if we're doing the, if we're still on the ball. It's like, hey, like, did you know I'm going to retire in two years? It's like, well, no, because you didn't tell us, but now we do. Yeah. But, yeah, sometimes it's it's just a way to be like, hey, like, are you sure we're doing the right thing? Because yeah. this guy's doing something different, seemingly, yeah. and he's doing something better. Yeah. So, yeah, greed, envy, comparison. It's yeah. never been easier to stay on top of what everyone's doing, so... One of the other things that I've also also found is that some of the some of the folks that we'll interact with who call when things are really great and they start to compare with their neighbors and friends or they talk about how much they could be making like maybe you know we've got this money sitting in bonds doing nothing like maybe we should just take that and put it into the market too mm-hmm. these are the in in many cases the very same people when the market goes down that say holy moly we got to do something we have to protect mm-hmm. and i i think there's a little too much time being spent watching cnbc can i can i just talk about that for a moment so you want to talk about cnbc yeah i know sorry I, I don't think that people understand that there are very few uh, ed- investment advisors who work with individual clients who get a chance to speak on CNBC. We know someone very well who has been used to be on CNBC a lot, has been invited to come back onto CNBC many, many times, refuses to go back on because right before the camera turns on, they ask them, tell us where you think the market's going over the next three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. Like, where's the market going? And you must have a call. Mm-hmm. And that is so unimportant for the individual investor. If you're managing a bond portfolio, that might be important. Yeah. If you're managing a hedge fund, that might be be important yeah. it's also someone's opinion everybody's like armpits everybody's got two of them so i don't think that really has any value to institutional investors and it's got even less value to individual investors yeah totally agree i think i mean we know we've we've harped on this before and we will continue to um these financial networks are selling ads they need to keep your attention and so they're going to be sensational the headlines will be sensational they they it almost feels like if you got that channel on and it's not just them it's bloomberg sure it's it's all of them so you almost feel like you're stupid if you don't choose if you don't take some kind of action you didn't see the dollars plummeting and the inflation trades back on yeah what it's hard to keep your eye on the ball that's why we're here that's our role is to make sure you keep two feet or maybe one and a half feet on the ground, stay grounded, check in with your plan. We're here to talk about these things. We're here to help you manage your debt, manage your feelings around your investments, your retirement. These things are going to come up. Yeah. 
you're going to feel pretty much every emotion on both ends of the spectrum. So it's important to have that perspective, to have that person you can go to and, and talk to that will keep you grounded, keep you grounded and not be too hot, too cold, nice and easy down the middle. Right. I love this line that he wrote. Money's not in the math department. Yep. It's in the psychology department. The numbers can all add up, but if money is making you crazy, you need to speak to somebody. Yep. Good message for episode 361. Thanks again for tuning in. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.